Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blutville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We continue our study in the Gospel according to John, and we are finishing up in chapter 6. Jesus Christ has given his teaching on the bread of life. He has spoken plainly, but spiritually, and it has been received with quizzical hearing. These people are wondering what he's saying. They're not hearing him. Oh, they're, they're hearing the words, but they're not accepting the impact of the words because they're not looking on the spiritual. They're looking on the physical. And in this teaching, he has been saying, unless you eat of me, unless you drink of my blood, eat of my body, then you're not going to have eternal life. This means that in the spiritual, we are to be fully invested in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's what it means. And here we have in verse 60, the response Many, therefore, of his disciples, we're not talking about the twelve. In fact, the twelve are going to be mentioned for the first time as a group uh, coming up. But here, the disciples, that is, the followers of Jesus, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? They're questioning him. They're questioning themselves. Because they're saying, my, we're not cannibals. How can we receive this? And that was the whole point. They're, they're not cannibals. That was not the intent. And that was not the teaching. The teaching was that when we come to faith in Christ, we are fully involved with Christ. And in fact, he says that we're not only fully involved with him, but he's fully involved with us because we have this new relationship, which is a spiritual relationship between God Almighty and a regenerate human being. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? Now he knew it did. He knew what they were thinking, what they were saying. Remember, he had insight into the human psyche, into the human being. And he continues, "What and if shall, uh, what and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth or maketh alive. Uh, the word quickeneth there means to make alive." The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. 
And he said, Therefore, said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of, the, of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Now, let's look at this little paragraph here. Jesus confronts them directly. Now, this is another trait of our Savior that we need to emulate. Uh, and I, I've known a few people who could do this and do it in love and could confront the situation and could get the answer very quickly. Jesus Christ, of course, being our example, he says in his question to them, does this offend you? And they, of course, didn't answer. He continued to teach. They didn't answer. But he asked the question, and he asked the right question at the right time. He confronted them. He knew the answer to it, of course. It offended them. That's why he asked the question. But they did not respond. There's a saying among attorneys that you never ask a question of a witness that you don't already know the answer to. You never want to ask a question that you don't have the answer to, because if you do, you're going to be surprised. And if you're surprised, the jury might side with the opposing folks. You don't want to be surprised in a court trial. That's the attitude of attorneys. Well, Jesus never asked a question he didn't know the answer to because he was God. Because he understood humanity. And he knew what his followers were thinking. He says, what if you saw me in my former glory and his soon-to-be glory again, as we think of Jesus going to the cross and dying for us and being placed in the tomb and then coming forth from the grave in resurrected glory? What if you'd seen me in my glory it is the spirit that makes you alive. It's not the flesh. You're alive in the flesh, but for how long? This is sort of a, a temporary state, you know. The flesh profiteth nothing. Keep that in mind. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now we're told that it was the Spirit of God moving on the waters at creation. It was the Spirit of God speaking life. And his words are spirit and are life. And then he comes to the crux of the matter, the whole thing. Some of you don't believe, do you? And they didn't. And the parenthetical phrase then is inserted here by John where he says, Because Jesus knew from the very start those that believed on him truly and those that did not. And he knew who would betray him. From his calling of the apostles, he knew that Judas Issacharit was going to betray him. He knew that. And yet, 
he gave him every opportunity to repent, to go away from his evil ways, to quit stealing from the treasury. He gave him every opportunity to move forward with Christ instead of moving forward with Satan. And yet he knew that he was the one to betray him. Verse 65, And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. We are once again drawn to Christ. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. We call that backsliding. They went back. And that's that's where the term backsliding comes from. Um, whether it be a scriptural term or not, uh, that's debatable. But they went back, and that is the backsliding passage. Uh, they no longer followed Christ. Verse 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, and this is the first time the twelve have been mentioned. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? There is nobody else. You're the one with the words of life. Nobody else has the words of life. You've just given us your words, which are spirit, and our life. You've just told us that. Your words give us life. Your words give us life. Where are we going to go? Good question. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So the twelve are mentioned here for the first time. And Judas is also mentioned as the one who will betray him. This is early on. Simon Peter is seen as the one who has confessed Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is a confession that he will make over and over, but it's also one in which he will deny and then have to come back to Christ and will receive the forgiveness of Christ. But we see... Simon Peter, Simon Barjona, we see him here as opposed to Judas Issacharit. Judas is the one that's going to betray him. Peter is the one that will magnify him. Now Peter will not betray him, but will deny him. But then will be converted, as it's said in Scripture. He will be forgiven. And so 
looking back at verse 66 for just a moment, from that many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. I could give you story upon story, and I will not bore you with them, but I could give you story upon story of people that I've known in my lifetime who have had a testimony for Christ and who have then walked away and denied our Lord. It's very disconcerting when you work with someone. I remember one former pastor friend, and he had pastored. He had been an evangelist. And in fact, when I pastored in one of my congregations many, many, many years ago, we had him come in with evangelistic meetings and with special meetings quite often. He was very dynamic. And then one day, he decided that everything that he believed had been wrong. And he called me up. And he said, I don't believe anything that I've professed to believe. I'd like to have dinner with you sometime and talk to you about it. And so we had dinner two or three times. And he convinced me and worked at convincing me that he had given up on the things of the Lord. What a depressing and distressing time that was to hear from this one that I had thought was a rock and was a fantastic representative of Christ. And he's denying the very things that he had preached and affirmed in the past. I would like to tell you that I know that he came back to Christ and everything worked out. I can't tell you that because I don't know that to be the case. I do know that I counseled with him and was given stiff rebukes from him because he had decided not to follow Jesus. John said in his writings, not in the gospel, but in his epistles, that he went out from us because he was not one of us. He had never truly been in the faith. Now, it's an interesting situation when you see that, because it disrupts the faith of many. And that's what was happening here. These people did not stay with the stuff. I could hear old preachers from the past, whether it be a Dan Graham, a Rand Dillon, uh, whether it be a J. Harold Smith, a J. Allen Blair, any of those and many more that would preach in times past, and I had the privilege of hearing them either by recording or personally, and they would talk about sticking by the stuff. Not putting your hand to the plow and looking back, but going forward with Christ. Not going backward, but going forward with Christ. 
And so it's important for us to understand that when the hard times come and the hard sayings come, that we must cling to the cross. We must cling to Christ. If we are not in Christ, we will not be able to cling to Christ. If we are not in this spiritual way that has been presented in chapter 6 by Jesus Christ himself, if we have not partaken of his body and blood in the spiritual sense of being one with Christ, then we will not follow with Christ, we will not continue with Christ, because we are not truly in Christ. According to the Word of God, Peter's confession here, Lord, you're the only one with the words of eternal life. Where shall we go? We can't go anywhere else and receive the salvation that you offer because you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so, when we see those that are in verse 66... They went back and walked no more with him. We can pray for them and pray for their salvation. But we must understand there is no place for them to go except to Christ Jesus. There is salvation in none other because there is no other name given among men, under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's a must Our salvation must be through Jesus Christ, through no other, but through Jesus Christ. Verse uh, chapter 7, let's go to chapter 7. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Judah. It's Jewry, J-E-W-R-Y is what's here in the text. But he would not walk in Jewry, which is Judah or Judea, I should say. Uh, So he wouldn't walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, what Jews sought to kill him? All the Jews? No, he was Jewish himself. It was not everybody. When it mentions the Jews, and I've told you this before, but I want to uh, once again tell you, uh, when it mentions the Jews in the Gospel of John, it's talking about the leadership of the Jews, primarily the Sanhedrin, and more particularly the Pharisees of the Sanhedrin, And so after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, which is uh, a different province, if you will, different part of it, for he would not walk in Judea because the Jewish leadership sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Now those brothers were his half-brothers, and that included James and Jude, writers of the New Testament books. James and Jude were his brothers were his half-brothers, and they did not believe in him. Now that's 
the way it often is when you speak to your family, they don't always accept the words that you have. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hateth me. Uh, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up into the fast, into the feast, I should say. Go ye up into the feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. And when he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.